Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invites you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace. I'm glad you're taking time to join me today. This is going to be great. This is going to be part two of a discussion. Um, last week, we were talking with uh, Richard Murray and Bill Thrasher about this deconstruction wisdom because there seems to be a trend of folks that deconstruct Jesus right out of the picture. The Bible right out is irrelevant. You can't use it, trust it. Um, and that's just an, <clears throat> I don't see it that way. And I think there are those who are afraid of deconstruction or unlearning and are afraid they're going to head down that road. And you don't need to be afraid. Jesus is your deconstructor. Jesus is your your teacher, your guide. And trust the guide in you in this journey. So if you didn't catch part one, uh, the link is listed below. Um, but let's join in to part two of this uh, I thought it was an amazing discussion. So uh, say hello, type in hello in the in the message thingy, and uh, I'm watching with you live here. And uh, let's let's dig in. I think I think this is going to be really really good. Here we go. All right, thank you for joining us. We're going to continue our conversation. We were talking about what a discipleship or sometimes deconstruction, or I like using the word unlearning, um, what it can look like. Um, I want to uh, quote a, a great teacher that I love, um, Bruce Walkup from Australia. When he was teaching a series called What is the Gospel? It's on my play, playlist and my YouTube channel. Um, but that first message, he calls it the dodgy gospel. Anything that does not look like Christ, it's not. If it's anything that doesn't make Jesus look bigger and better, make God bigger and better, the Trinity bigger and better, your message is not from God. And that blew my mind. And so to enter this conversation with some teachability, because we could come in and listen to this and think, well, I'm right. What are these guys going to say? And they're, everything they're saying is wrong. Well, that's then turn us off like now, because we're going to take you off, <laughs> you know, but in my mind, I want to, I want to take a look at how Jesus <coughs> may have done discipleship with his disciples and how slow they learned. So I don't know, because you guys have, I know, Richard, you like getting into the Sermon on the Mount because there's lots of riches there. But what are some examples you guys have seen of Jesus teaching his type, dis disciples to take a pattern of thinking they've had and then either did a parable and kind of flip their mindset on its head? <laughs> like, let's, let's talk well, about that because I think we need some hope for people as they unlearn. They go, wait a minute, I, I need some hope here. Well, I, I think I think part of it is that, um, and we may have talked about this the other week, but just this idea that Jesus didn't give them the full Monty all at one time. He came mm -hmm. down. There was so much to correct. Can't you just imagine God <laughs> coming down from Earth and seeing all the, all the distorted thoughts and acts that we were all doing, and misunderstandings and projections, and and all all these triggers, these trauma triggers that everyone had. And so what, what, what a pickle. I mean, how do you come in? You talk about the Gordian knot, you know, that, that, that knot that Alexander the Great, you know, that the emperor was predicted, whoever could untie this big Gordia, knot is from Gordia, you know, would be the emperor. That was a side. So, but no one had been able to, because it's a big, thick rope. And, 
Alexander comes up and just uses a, he takes his sword out and cuts it in half. <laughs> you know, so he just sort of, but, and, and so anyway, I mean, Jesus looks down and sees the Gordian knot of everyone here. So what he does is he really takes a lot of baby steps. You know, he's, he's got to, he can't thoroughly detonate the law because they all believe in the law. They've all slavishly followed the law. So he kind of moves in and out of the law and he just drops these bombs that will not only explode that day, but continue to explode for us this day. And that's the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5. I think they call that a cluster bomb? Yes, 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 absolutely. And uh, there's no way you can read Matthew 5, 38 through 48 and ever be the same again. You can't because it tells you how God treats his enemies. And it tells you that you're supposed, and that's what makes him perfect. Verse 48 says, therefore be you perfect. So then you got to see what the therefore is there for. And you go back to the previous 10 verses and it's how he treats his enemies. He loves his enemies. He blesses them. And he tells us to turn the other cheek, bless, the, bless your enemies, bless those who despitefully use you, pray for your enemies, give them the extra shirt, sure, walk the extra mile. And then he starts talking about how the father does that for all of his enemies. So you can't read that, but right in, but, but then, you know, but then did Jesus will let that be, kind of let that percolate. And, just, and don't you know those disciples, you know, uh, in, in the book of Acts, we're just thinking about that. Wow, that, 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 those 10 passages, keep giving and 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 just uh you know and and then obviously uh you mentioned that a few minutes ago mike but the 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 thing with the samaritans when they're passing through the village and james and john want to call down fire on the samaritans quoting the old testament all right and And can can you just see jesus face you know, he says, oh, you guys, you don't know what spirit you're of. I came to save people, not destroy them. That's so the scary. Whole- that quote, yeah. you don't know what spirit you're of. Yeah. Does that mean they don't know what spirit they're living from? Yeah. You know, like, because. Really? Yeah, it's the spirit of darkness, a prince of the world, whatever you want to call it. But it's, it's, it's the, uh, you know, it's a killing spirit. And, 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 and see, it can come from reading the Old Testament mm. without Christological eyes. Mm. So you read the Old Testament, they're quoting Elijah. Who would dare? Elijah did it. Moses but, did but, it. Why but it's we biblical. Well, even, even <laughs> Jesus, the first time he opens the scrolls in the synagogue, right? And he's reading in front of all of these people who know him. And he says, this is the day of the Lord is here. And then he closes the scrolls. And then the next verse that most people don't realize it is the day of vengeance. But he just stops mid-sentence and just says, I'm not going to even address vengeance right now. And then what we find out if we follow the journey of Christ is that his, there's no vengeance. There's only mercy. Yes. Right? And so I, I totally agree. I think one of the most difficult things for the average Western-born, taught, evangelical kid, me, maybe <laughs> more than likely you too, right? who grew up singing the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, right? And, and you sing that song over and over mm. and over. And, and you know, you, you're told you're this sinner and you deserve to die. You deserve to be punished for your sin. The second you commit your first sin, 
you're guilty, but you were guilty before that even, but you know, we're not going to get into that because. And, and they think that's a motivation you. speech. Yeah. And then, but they, <laughs> you gotta be, you better be grateful because Jesus sacrificed himself to God so that God will be pissed off you forever. And so this is this mentality we've all been grown with. But my point is to, to a very similar degree, that mentality was the same mentality that the Jews had. Mm. We've recreated Judaism to a large degree in our churches, where we have these mm. rules that make God ple- pleased or displeased, right? Um, we have the system of sacrifices, which atone either, you know, all of God's anger in Christ, and with our confessions or with our givings and tithes and offerings, maybe on a smaller scale. We've built all these mechanisms, just like the Jew- Jews had. Now, granted, we don't have bloody sacrifices. They're more you know, lighthearted and we have pork after, uh, we have barbecue after church, you know, we've, we've gotten rid of some of them, but we've kept a bunch of them. And we uh, practice social stonings, right? Know? We, we, oh, absolutely. We practice social stoning 100%. You know, we, but, but the, the end, we have our eschatology where we're expecting Jesus to come back with vengeance once again and, and send our enemies to hell, right? He's going to get them once and for all, maybe not now, but he's going to get them. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, right? We quote that without realizing, yes, vengeance is God who chooses not to use it, <laughs> right? And that's what Jesus or or the Romans, when it says that vengeance is mine, right after it says, therefore overcome evil with good. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. So we have to understand who the disciples were to understand what Jesus is doing in his discipling of them. And then we have to realize that to a large degree, we are those same people. Should we be? Probably not if, if the history of our faith was maintained outside of institutionalization, but, but the truth is we are. And institutionalization has, made, it has kept us caged in this religious paradigm. And Jesus is dropping these bombs, trying to free us from the idea that the B-I-B-L-E is the word of God, and and as opposed to the J-E-S-U-S being the word of God. Exactly. Right? Um, and and, And when we stand on that as the word of God, I actually him. I changed the song J-E-S-U-S. Yeah, he's the very best. I stand alone on the word of God, the J-E-S-U-S. Well, what if we started teaching our kids that song? Yeah. Yeah. Right? That is the and then the second thing Jesus did that's just so obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Is he just he trusted the process after his after he's gone to continue to work in these guys without having yeah. to see fully through to maturation personally himself. Yes. They didn't have the degrees. Well, they were, they were a train wreck. <laughs> I mean, he left them still. It took him years. Some of these guys, Peter still hadn't figured it out years later. He's still like condemning people. If we, we, we're not gonna get into it, but you know, you got Anias and Sapphira. I mean, he's still like, he didn't get it. Yes. And it's so transparently beautiful in the scriptures. Do you know what that means, though? That means every teacher, person, (laughs) adult, all of us still have much to learn. Bingo. And we don't have to. And when we are blessed to be in a position to be able to grow somebody, maybe on different milestones behind us and help them get one or two, we're not responsible to finish the process. We finish the race for them or with them. Uh, 
And that takes so much pressure off because it's not up to us. We're That's just, right. you know, I, and Jesus I really, modeled that. I, yeah, I really appreciate Jesus's unprofitable sermon, you know, where the guy just says, hey, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I, I, I don't give I don't want accolades. I don't want, um, you know, uh, a medal, you know, and it just it keeps that that control because here it is, guys. I mean, I, I'd like to just say one more thing just along these same lines. It's all everything that's bad wants to come across as you need a mediator. Before you can interact with God, you have to have a mediator, either either your teacher, either your church, either the Bible, that we miss the whole message of the gospel. The core message of it is that we have been given unmediated access to God, that there is Jesus alone is the mediator. He is the mediator that lives within us. So that, and you said it earlier, just a couple of minutes, one of the two of you was talking about the word of God, you know, the Bible. It's not, it, it, you, people use the Bible as the mediator when they call it the word of God, because it's clear that even the, even the Bible calls Point it somewhere word. else. <laughs> you know, so, so Jesus, you know, I, I once said. Jesus is the capital W word. Yes. Right. The yes. word, the, the small W word could be the book, but it's not the same thing. By and it could also be the shack. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Well. Well. Really, the scriptures were usually called the grape. They were called grape. Yes. They weren't called the logos. Or I the really Torah. Think, the law. I, I. I really think when it, when logos is used, it's not. Ta- it's never oh, talking yes. about scriptures. <laughs> it's talking. It's talking about Jesus. The preeminence so that, of Christ Jesus. Yep. Yeah. So, so that we could say we could say this for thirty days. Try this experiment. Instead of saying, oh, "Well, I was in the Word today. I was reading the Word today. I was richly in the Word," or at the you know, instead say Jesus. I was I was deeply in the presence of Jesus today. You know, uh, Jesus. Uh, the word showed me. You know, uh, let the the word. Uh, you know, when they went around and it said they preached the word, they preached the word. That's not talking about scriptures. That's no. talking about Jesus. They preached the logos. They went around and preached the logos, which is a pulsating presence. That's that is the logos. It's a presence we're preaching. It's not scripture. Because scripture says, don't, don't preach the dead letter, but preach the pulsating presence. <laughs> you search yeah. the scripture searching for eternal life, but they point to me. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so you know, and, and getting back to the deconstruction thing, there's no mystery. There, there, the, the, you know, the whole thing is, we, what, what we should be deconstructing is anything that, that tries to mediate our relationship with Jesus. Because that comes from idolatry. That comes from from fear. That comes because we don't want to go up the mountain, and actually, we're fe- we're fearful about what it would mean for me to actually have unmediated contact with God. And yet, that is the treasure of all treasures, and why it's important to preach this good image of God that we're not to be. There's nothing to be scared of. We don't need to have a mediator to do it for us. I, everyone is equally, you know, just a heartbeat away, just an earnest heart impulse away from entering into the Holy of Holies and having this unmediated contact. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. And all these, all these things that get in the way of it, uh, I mean, that, that should be everything that we, we do should be removing the things that rise up, like Paul said, against the knowledge of Christ. Anything in our thinking, anything in our social interactions that rise up against knowing Christ better and better. Those are the things that we deal with. It's real, that part of it is really pretty simple. That the hard part is seeing is how these things, these these rabbit trails, you know, maybe some of this deconstruction stuff 
pull us away. They move Jesus to the margin without us even realizing it. And not only to the margin, some of them move him off the page. You know, whatever process we're going through, we, we should we should have a conscious awareness of Jesus is becoming more. He's coming to the center of the page. Mm-hmm. He's coming more to the center of the page, our page. And that that that's really. And once he's at the center of the page, that you 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 have no need of a teacher. You know, and that that's what you know. Well, it's interesting because we have a mutual friend, Keith, and and uh, I took a course with him and it was on deconstruction. Uh, I forget what it's called. I can't believe I square one. That's what it was. So in that course, um, I'm interacting with all the other students and they were most of them were on the journey of figuring out what to deconstruct. And when it came to my turn to share, I said, I'm not here to deconstruct. I'm excited about how reconstruction works. I've already got all these things that I've had to deconstruct. I know what they are. I want to look at a healthier, better perspective on all these things. I just had a guy write me and I haven't responded yet because I don't know him at all. It was a message directly to me. But after the second message, I realized this is probably a legit question. Here's a person trying to figure out, they're probably listening to some of the stuff we're teaching because I really believe that. And he's asking, well, then how, how do I approach prayer? How do I approach, you know, the church? Like, do I ditch it completely? What, what do I do? I thought, this is where people are really at. Yeah. You know, there's so many people that are sick and tired of, of eating pre-chewed food. Uh, <laughs> and they're sick of stale water that does not revive. And they hear a message they don't understand at all, but they know there's something life-giving here. I want more. And so a question like this comes up. Now we're talking about the disciples. We're talking about the unlearning. We're talking about the slow journey. There are a ton of people with questions. I'm excited about the the growing part, (laughs) you know? The other thing that I think Jesus did, if we're talking about, you know, how he modeled it. And I think this is, we kind of touched on this in our last talk, but, you know, to delve into it one layer deeper, Jesus would say stuff that just didn't sound like Jesus. (laughs) Like hate your parents? Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) hate your parents is a perfect example, right? Or or we get, you know, we need some swords. Anybody got any swords? And then he's like, you don't, you know, he, Jesus just said some weird crap. He really did. But what Jesus did when the disciples or the authors, I should say, um, recorded his actions, there's very little lack of clarity in any of Jesus's actions. His actions are almost at all times crystal clear of who he represents in his essence, in his personhood, right? He would say, really, like we talked about these bombs, like things. And, but, but what he did to exemplify, to personify what he meant by that is often 180 degrees different. Like he's giving this violent image of, you know, some guy getting thrown out of a party and killed, right, in some sort of parable form, allegory form. And yet the, the, the way he lives that out is that was a notion, that wasn't a person, right? He's dragging out the religious right deadbeat to make room for the 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 child of god to be in the room and you have to understand he was painting in pictures he wasn't painting his words the stories do you think they understood that do you think they did i don't because they were confused because they were still disciples 
just like we're still confused today. Although, did they understand, although, although did they I understand think it years later? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I, think I think the Jewish hyperbole, I, I think they oh, use yeah. this type of rhetoric. It was more common. Yes. But you're, you're so, you brilliantly said it. His actions proved that, the, and, and there were not, you know, there's not a ton of them, but I mean, you know, there, there's enough to disturb you about it. Yeah. But, I, but, but they revealed that they're hyperbole, his actions. But, but listen to this. Isn't it genius that he would give us a written source that would actually have mistakes in it that would that we would need to to reconfigure uh, with his spirit. I mean, his 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 end game for us is to rely on the spirit when we're reading scripture. Yes. So to do that, it's got to have it's got to have uh, twists and turns on the literal side where we step back and and be brave in the spirit and say, wait a minute, that's not Jesus. The Jesus in me is saying, stop here. There's something for you to stop, ponder, and consider. You know. And, and, yeah. and I think that's what it points away from itself. And, and, and he's trying to wean us from the literal into the spiritual. So mm-hmm. there are things embedded in this, for, both for good and for bad, that are embedded in this so that we won't become a slave to, we'll get our yeah. eyes up off the page and start looking to the heavens. And just like they had their scriptures, and I still believe the Old Testament is very much this way. And, and that's why the book of Revelation, not to get deep into it, is so written in the same language and tonality of the Rev, of, of the Old Testament. But even the New Testament, I know Richard and I have agreed on this. I think, Mike, you've said the same thing. They're a Rorschach test, right? If you know what that is, the inkblot test. It, we're looking at something, and what it's doing is it's drawing our sense of interpretation to the surface of our own mind and then forcing it into a cage match with Christ crucified. Yes. Right. Right. And we have to go, OK, is this image that I'm creating of God look like Jesus crucified? That's the whole purpose of Scripture is to continue to bring it to the surface, our mess, misconceptions, and then bring them into the light of who God really is. Yes. And let me add something that Origen said. Uh, Origen said that we are to cross examine. And he, it's a legal term that he used. We're to cross examine all Scripture with the nature of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so look at deconstruction that way. I'm, we're cross-examining it with the nature of Christ, and it ain't bearing up. We don't see the nature of Christ in it, and that's all. And, you know, and we've got to always check our own eye first, because I tell you what, this, 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 you know, like, well, like I said today, I was, you know, I suddenly said, well, wait a minute, I've done this before, you know, and, uh, and not too long ago, you know, and God, I don't want to do it again, you know, and, and God would, I, when, I, when I did that, I just felt God's pleasure. You know, I just felt like you're saying, yeah, yeah. See, that's the way I speak to you. It's not a big lightning bolt, huge starry center. It's like, oops. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my bad. It was gentle. You know, it was a gentle rebuke that he gave me. And uh, so, if we'll cross-examine, that's all we're advocating here, Mike. And you know, about the whole thing with the deconstruction is just that we cross-examine it with the nature of Christ. We, we cross-examine Scripture with the nature of Christ. And, and people will say, well, you don't know about the name. No, you don't know about the nature of Christ. Uh, and without the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that conveys the presence uh, that it's the scripture is a supplement to point you, you know, to point you and to help you get started and, and to put some light in your path, you know, for you to consult the spirit. It says the children of God are those who are led by the spirit of God and led and led and led and led. That mm-hmm. is the whole purpose of our Christian walk. So deconstruction really is to get to a place where we're spirit led. So if that's the case then why, why do you hardly ever hear deconstructionists talk about the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. You know, you hear Bill and I talk about the Holy Spirit all the time, and you too, Mike, but I mean, you really don't. When do you hear about the Holy Spirit? 
I mean, there are certain key words there. And it goes back to your question, Mike, about what do we do with prayer? What do we do with the Holy Spirit? We revitalize them. What we do is we revitalize it with the Spirit. You know, religion has so desiccated the terms. They're, they're, they're like, you know, rocks in the desert. You know, but we, we, we have the ability, I think, to, to come back. And, and the anointing, That to me, that's what the anointing is. You soak it in the Spirit, and it comes back. And, and we, we may need to use new terminology. You know, uh, I think sometimes that's the case, and sometimes we need to steadfastly hold on to old terminology, but bring it back to the center point of where it needs to be. It's both, right? It bring back its both. meaning. Yeah, and I think sometimes we're just so in a place where we just we just want to throw it out because we're, it has baggage. So yeah. let's deal with the baggage. Let's deal with it. Let's lift that baggage up. Let's parse through it. Let's take some of it to Goodwill. Let's take the things that should be in our house and put them back where they belong. You want to take it to right? Goodwill and let somebody else eat it? Come on. <laughs> but, well, but, but the real question, though, is that, that the words ha- have given people triggers. Yep. So I, I think for us, you know, we need to pray about how to deal with people's triggers. Mm. You know, uh, I, I was amazed the other day. I mentioned something and, and somebody said and, and their trigger got pulled. And it was, you know, it took him back to, uh, you know, uh, them, his grandfather being prayed for and, you know, telling him he didn't have enough faith and that sort of thing. Uh, so people have triggers. It's not just that these terms have been so worn down by their usage. No. We also have to be, be They've been abused. triggers. Yeah. So what if, what if Jesus came to be repentance for us? Our mindset of who his daddy was was completely wrong. It was absolutely wrong. So you want to talk about the deconstructionist? It would be Jesus. And then he modeled how to deconstruct and how to repent the 180 metanoia. Mm-hmm. Um, like maybe, maybe that's what this is. Maybe deconstruction is the repentance of things that are false, but it means look at what is right and it points to Jesus. Well, I think that's a, it's the combination. Again, yeah. there's, a healthy, there's a healthy one and then there's, Again, to use yep. our little terminology, there's destruction too, yep. right? So, well, Peter tried that. Peter yeah. tried to live out of his idea of deconstruction, and it was false, and it was violent. And so when he cut that ear off of that servant, right. Jesus had to be repentance for Peter because Peter couldn't and do even it. even moreover, I'll go in even further. Yeah, go for Bill, it. Bill's opinion. I think Judas is the biggest modeler of a false understanding. Cause again, this is my, this is how I interpret it. Judas was a loyal, faithful disciple of Jesus. Right. And, and he gets a bad rap among the other disciples. Cause I, again, even when they wrote the gospels, I'm of the opinion, they hadn't worked through their own forgiveness of Judas yet. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's how I read it. It's just FYI. Yeah. But my belief is that Judas tried to force the hand of Jesus. Mm. I'm of the belief opinion to some small degree that, Judas's rebellion or his act of you know treachery against Jesus was in a in a small hope that Jesus truly was this militant disciple. Judas was a zealot, right? Um, and he was trying to force Jesus over the edge to take up arms and kick out. So was going fast and, enough. Yeah, and and so by by going to the Pharisees, he helped to, to jumpstart Jesus. What he did, he tried to get ahead of his own progress, right? And in doing so, jeopardized. Oh, but didn't he? He also fulfilled what was going to happen, which is the beauty of how God works, right? But I do believe that when Jesus met him with a kiss, there was forgiveness in that moment, and he could even process that. Okay, he washed his feet too. 
he exactly exactly yeah. he couldn't even process that you know the jesus on the cross saying forgive them father they don't know what they're doing included his you know betrayal so, um and so but, that would be another example of someone who deconstructed too quickly and destroyed his own personal progress mm-hmm. by jumping the gun into some form of 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 um of deconstruction, destruction, yeah. right, of its own little world. And it, it ended up with Christ dying. And even in that, God redeemed it. But you know, the good news. <laughs> but, but you know what the difference, the slight difference, though, is he did know Jesus. Absolutely. You know, he, he saw the living, pulsating Jesus. That's I, I, I think a lot of what we're dealing with are people that really don't know Jesus. And they may not have known him in the system, but they, but you know somebody that that knows the Lord. You just do. You you can say now nah, you tell yeah. Well, what about this and what about that? I get all that. But I'm talking about somebody who's consciously aware of Jesus and who identifies as a Christian. But mm. you don't ever hear any testimony of a personal encounter with His presence. And that that would be what would disturb me because I think that they they think that being in a Christianity where they never encounter Jesus makes them Christian. I, that that's not what a Christian is. I mean, that's that's not normative at all. And there yeah. are also on, on the opposite side of the equation. I think there are guys in, in the the progressive deconstruction world who have been so triggered by Christianity that do still, to large degree, uh, reflect the nature of Jesus, but they're just so abused and and hurt by the institution and the words. And so I see both sides that there are people that do have fruits of the spirit manifesting, even though some of their theology has kind of gotten a little sideways. I still think somewhere deep down inside, they know the person Jesus and that person Jesus is still kind of, you know, well, part, the gears. part of the confusion too, though, is there's, there's social Jesus that a lot of people agree with his ethics. That's true. Yes. And that's sort of the social gospel part of it. But yeah. then there, but it's not, it's not the same thing as actually having a personal that's encounter. True. And I know that's old fashioned. I know what are you, are you talking about being born again? <laughs> yes, I am. You know, you can call it born from above. You can call it whatever you want to. You can call it regeneration, but you know what? I didn't know Jesus. And then I did, <laughs> you know, and it changed me and, and began a transformation in me. And uh, so that's a, a term I wouldn't want to throw out. Now I, I'm not, you know, I don't feel the same way I do about, you know, the sinner's prayer and all that. But you know what? I'm not saying that I wouldn't do that with somebody, you know, that, that needed a river crossing, you know, event. I'm not, you know, I'm open to anything. And maybe maybe that's what we're supposed to be, you know, and maybe someone doesn't need that. And someone just needs to, uh, like Wesley, feel that glow in the heart, you know, just, just from an encounter that maybe you didn't have to, you know, go through some series of steps on. And, and I, I don't have a, a, a formula anymore other than a formula of encounter. When you encounter, you know you encounter some, something other than yourself. I just want people to have that. And I want anything out of my way that's keeping me, well, I, I want to want everything out of my way, you know, that's keeping me from having fullness and, 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 and growing in that encounter. Because that's, you know, we are called to encounter God. You know, what, uh, uh, what was the study course? I forget who did it. I hope it wasn't Piper. <laughs> if I called encountering God, what was that big study? I forget who did that. Uh, they might have been Rick Warren. I'm not, I'm not sure who did it. Uh, Doesn't matter. It, it's a great term, encountering God. Yeah. So back to this Peter cutting the ear off. Um, I was thinking about this today. That's why this is kind of strong in my head, that there was a, there's a repentance, a changing of the mind. Peter did not have the capacity in his darkness to, to live from Christ in the real goal. He was distracted to the zealot 
background he was accustomed to. He did a violent act, cut it off. But the change of mind, Jesus did the exact opposite. He did a 180 from the cut. He took the ear and healed it back on. It was a complete reversal showing Peter, no, no, no. This is how I work. And it's who yeah. I am. Yeah. And it, yeah. it took till after the cross and then even more embarrassment and multiple steps of journeying of uh, enlightening he needed. It, it just took him a long time. I think we need to know there's but hope. We there's can't arrive. perfect example right there of what we've been talking about. So, Peter, in that moment, Jesus even predicts you're going to deny me three times. And yet we have the audacity and the, in the institutional church to have been taught, well, if you deny me, then I will deny you before my father. Right. That's what Jesus said. That's black and white or red letters. His name black is red letters. Jesus said it. And here's a man that denies Jesus three, not once, not three times. If you deny me, he didn't say after you're dead. But if you deny me, period. Peter does it three times. I'll deny you before my father. Well, what does that mean? Does Jesus deny Peter before the father? No, he denies Peter's denials. <laughs> seven times 70 times 70 times do you love me peter you do you ever love deny me? jesus enough where he's ever going to reject you before the father see the words jesus say have some you know amb ambiguity to him right but his actions model precisely what he means by that that's exactly what we're talking about here and when you know his nature you know better exactly I mean, I can't tell you how many times the spirits quicken that phrase to me. You know me better than that. Mm. You know, if, if, if something, if somebody projects something or claims a particular reading, I, I can hear the and voice the in my head. And the more you start to read the Gospels and just, in my opinion, just chew on the personality of Jesus and get to know his personality a little bit there, you start to see it everywhere else in your life, right? You don't see it just there. You start to see him just grow beyond uh, that book, John said it, if, if everything was recorded, you know, it'd fill all the chapters. There was so much more, but we get just that foretaste and then that just starts to grow in our own consciousness. Right. Well, let's, yeah. Let's... I wonder, I, I wonder if, 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 you know, some of the reasons for those statements too, is that again, he was, he was making baby steps with these people <laughs> and he, he knew that this hyperbole, uh, you know, as distasteful as it was, sort of you know you know the way we use violence and c.s lewis stories and things like that we, we still got some violence you know that actually serves a dramatic effect you know for us and i it, love it, violence in movies <laughs> yeah it's useful it's useful so i wonder if jesus didn't kind of have that that this, oh, this was a violent day violence all over the place if he did nothing but preach peace and continual peace and and never showed a hard edge he could lose you know it would be hard they couldn't they couldn't grasp it so I wonder if he mixed that in, but then he used the hyperbole, but then he put in these peace bombs that would, what did he just say? <laughs> you know, and, and just stuff that would stick with them and change them. And see, he's, uh, it's like Emily Dickinson, I, I quote this all the time, but she said, tell the truth, but tell it at an angle. And, and, and I think that Jesus told a lot of these truths at angles that only would become more and more apparent down the road. He, he gave you something in seed form that where you keep carrying it out, which is what Matthew 5, 38 through 48 did for me. That's a seed form statement. Everyone loves that those 10 passages. But man, when you start considering the implications of how this did, you see that God has no enemy. Watering them, you put them in good soil. Yes, <laughs> yes. And it's incredible. And uh, a lot of passages don't. A lot of passages don't grow. So it's learning where to pick these pockets. It's like the woman caught in adultery. Dear God, 
the law demanded she be killed. There were no exceptions. I mean, th there were no exceptions. And yet he sat there and he didn't judge her. He specifically declared that he didn't judge her, but he or saved condemn. her yeah. or condemn her. And so, you know, I, I sit there with that and I'm saying, that's what, Bill, that's exactly what you've been saying. That act there just totally puts all the hyperbole in the hyperbole shelf. You know, now we put that, he wasn't talking literally though. That's just hyperbole. We may not fully understand why all he used that the way that he did, other than to maybe keep everyone off balance so that these golden- well, And I'll, you know, I'll finish up with this. I know, Mike, we're probably, you know, the one thing to be aware of for someone who may be listening, Mike, who's kind of, well, I'm not, these guys are crazy. I've heard some stuff here that I've seen that is, is kind of the polar opposite shift in, in, in the institutional world of Christianity, especially that at least I came from, is they try to make Jesus conform to the image of God from Genesis through Revelation. What we're saying here, I think, in, in simple terms, is stop doing that. Hmm. Conform God to the person of Jesus that we see in action in the Gospels. Even what he says allegorically in parables, everything has to go back into Jesus. And if that makes me a heretic, then I'm happy to be a heretic because that's the type of worship or worthiness, worship worthiness that I give this man Jesus is that he alone represents what all of God is like. The Bible or the misunderstanding of the Jewish people don't necessarily get it right. True. And Richard, you were talking. Oh, go ahead, Richard. You're about to say something. I know it. Well, I was. I, I got a compliment today, and I, I'm not. I'm really not boasting, but it's the best thing. If I had to choose something somebody would say about anything I write, it would be this. And uh, I put this is just a short post I made today, but I said the message of Jesus's life is not that hell that the hell that awaits us is inescapable, unavoidable, and unending abandonment by his Father. Jesus's life message was that it's not. Jesus is our living poultice. And you know what a poultice is. That's a healing gift, something you put on a wound to draw the poison out. Mm. Uh, uh, descended into hell to first absorb and then heal us of all our death-producing sin toxins. As personally painful and initially alienating as this was for Jesus, he still cleaved to this one champion truth. His loving Abba would never abandon his soul to hell. And it says that in Acts 2, that Jesus said, you will not abandon my soul to hell, Father. Mm. All right, so he knew that. So, and I said, and he would never abandon us either. Let's likewise cleave to that champion truth. Well, this is what this fellow said to me, and it just really blessed me. Uh, he said, you know, Richard Murray, even if I don't agree with your conclusion, which at this point in my life, I would say, I don't know. I have to say that reading your takes always makes me love the God man more. Mm. I can't think of anything better wow. than yep. that. Yep. yep. We, whatever we share, it makes us love the God man more. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a great, I, I had something I want to end with, but nope. <laughs> that was beautiful. And that should be the fruit. Come on, you're message. a ball. Mike, let's go. Take that ball back. <laughs> nope. Shoot. No, I think you, that, that sums up. Well, Cause I've been talking to you about our, a lot of people I connect with the ones who, who seem to have a spirit of gentleness, a spirit of directing to the love of God. And our message needs to make God bigger and better and not make ourselves look bigger and better. You know, Amen. those who Amen. try to project themselves as a mentor, 
stop trying to be a mentor. I think many people are thinking they're an adult when they're really a young adult. And some who think they're a young adult are really children still because they don't even know they're forgiven. Like this mm -hmm. whole journey of child, young man, or young adult, adult, um, we're all on a journey and we don't use the same language with everybody, but somebody's trying to mix it all up. And when we mix it up, people get hurt, disillusioned. And uh, yeah, I, I, what they just said, I, I would agree with that. I think your writing um, leads to a gentleness that's approachable and you're not bombastic in your comments or posts. And that makes it more enjoyable to read. It just is. So I'm looking for peace, not rhetoric of ramped up anxiety. I've got enough anxiety. Thank you. So thank you. I agree with your, with your commenter. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks guys. This was a fun conversation. I'm glad the two parts actually blended together quite well and uh, look forward to the next time that we can chat. Sounds good. All right. Wow. 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 That was really, really good. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Cause I sure did. Uh, what a great conversation and what a topic that it's not going away like this unlearning how do we do it we see and observe friends of ours um, unlearning really well but with then we see other friends not doing it well at all it's a big mess I want to say hi to a few folks uh, Christina good morning uh, by the way where are you watching from Christina um, I'm curious Anna. good morning great seeing you there Sandy Prince yay good to see you in the UK and Brandon Braun if you're still watching are you related to Paul I'm just curious um, I have a hunch you are. Mary Nye, if you're still there. Linda McFarland, good morning to you. Linda, I sent you a message on Facebook Messenger. Um, uh, just if you could hit reply, that'd be great. Um, let's see what some of the comments were. <clears throat> okay, hang on. Hungary? Christina's watching from Hungary? Oh my goodness. Welcome. I, don't, I wonder how you heard about us. That's incredible. Um, you've got Sandy in the, in the United Kingdom there watching um that's the closest one to you um but that's pretty cool <laughs> what up i love it all right let's see what linda said here this is really cool vengeance is is god a vengeance of god is against death i will repay how destroying death with his life death was our enemy thus the resurrection uh, and then vengeance is not god hurting people but destroying what was hurting people death was hurting people awe of our, of our Savior, the love of God. Praise Jesus for serving us with eternal, everlasting, immortal life, the love of the Father. I love that. Uh, Daniel, good morning. Where are you watching from? I'm curious. Uh, and then Mary Nye says, as my mentor said, Mary uh, never pulled back the covers on the manger and said, come worship my Bible. <laughs> no, she did not. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Anna writes, Jesus came to deconstruct what was being taught, the shame, the blame, the show, and show what love was, uh, how it was, and how to do it, and how to be. Uh, Judas embodied the human uh, and showed what happens when we embrace this versus love and patience, uh, mercy and grace. Judas's death and eventual repentance and subsequent, if we believe, rising in love was also a guideline for us. A good lesson there. Owning repentance and letting go of the sin by asking forgiveness is what Judas did. We villainize him instead of looking with love for the mercy and grace. You're right. And then uh, one more thing. Uh, Peter was afraid, I think, when someone is being told their beloved will die and then the reality is revealed. 
Many of us rebel against this. You're right. We, we don't want the tough stuff. Jesus showed us through Peter there's always a way to turn towards love versus away from it due to fear. Yep, and Christina writes, Jesus alone represents what God is like. Yes, it is brilliant. And you're right, Christina. Uh, it is. Um, it is a... Uh, uh, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He came to clean up the mess of the entire Old Testament. I think it was Jesus. He said, Jesus said, no one has seen the Father. Not a single one. Yeah, what about all those people in the Old Testament who saw God? No, whatever they wrote was an incomplete revelation, and it would, they did not see God because Jesus declared no one has seen the Father. And so he's the only one that has the right to represent his daddy. And uh, that's the beauty of it. And I think that's what's changing uh, um, faith on, on its head, the, the, the incomplete and religious system. It's based on a book, follow the book, not Jesus. I love what Brad Jerzak said. He said, when uh, the word of God... Um, uh, the word of God turned 18 and grew a beard, something like that. You know, no, he said the word of God is inerrant, infallible, all that stuff. And then when he turned 18, he grew a beard. <laughs> I thought that's brilliant. That that's what it is. Um, pretty cool. Uh, Christina, not by accident. I call it God incidents. <laughs> that's so cool. Oh, that's so cool. All right. Well, hey, um, we got lots more great stuff. And by the way, Christina, if this is your first time um, touching in here, Take a look at the playlist that this is being streamed from. There's a lot of great grace content that will blow your socks off. And uh, yeah, this uh, this family of listeners is from around the world. we got people watching from all kinds of places, but they watch at different times of the day. And uh, I, whether we have a lot of people watching at once or not, who cares? I, I do trust the Holy Spirit to make sure those who need to be encouraged or have something they're wrestling with and need some encouragement, they'll pop onto this. This will come across or somebody will share it with them. So I'm about learning and growing. Um, this religion stuff, undoing the system of church, yeah, I'm I'm into that. Um, uh, listen, uh, I, I work in places where uh, it's not religious, and so I try not to sound religious. I'm not, I don't want to be known as the religious one. I want to be known as Mike, having a fun time. Sure, I believe in God, but I don't, I don't want to look like a cuckoo. I want, to, I want to be real. I want to be authentic. So, yeah, it was, it was go. Uh, Christina writes, Brad Jerzak, I know it was God. Yes, my socks are plain. <laughs> Love this. Uh, yeah, that's so cool. Well, hey, um, let's interact some more Sunday mornings at 11, sorry, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I go live with my church. This program every Wednesday is for everyone and anyone that wants to grow in grace and ask questions. If you've got a tough question that you would like us to talk about as a, as a group, um, send me a message. Uh, find me on Facebook, uh, Christina. That's the easiest way to find me because I, I can never find these notes after this airs on YouTube. I don't know why. So once your messages are gone, I can't find you ever again. So reach me on Facebook. That's where most of us are connected anyway. Um, and that's it. We'll catch you guys later. Have a really great week. And uh, yeah, until then, have a good one. 
Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.